usually invite some kind of special speaker for this. Um, so we all apologize that you have to listen to this. But I thank you for the honor, Pathfinders. Sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, anoint us all. May the Spirit be here. May these young people that have made decisions to be part of this club, may it not end here, but may they be empowered to do great things for the cause of Christ because you have made them wonderfully. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So there was a woman, and I am going to probably direct most of my convo to you. There was a woman who was, was middle-aged, I guess about my age now. Oh, that's hard to say. This, this middle-aged woman goes into the ER because she's having chest pains. And she says, Doc, what's going to happen? And he said, well, you're actually having some kind of heart failure right now. So she prays to God. God, don't let me die. And God says, I will let you live. You are promised 30 more years. What a relief. She says, well, I'm in the hospital already. Why don't we do some, some upgrades? So she took away some parts that she thought wanted, that she wanted to have taken away, liposuction, tummy tucks. She might have added a few areas that she wanted to add. She had a facelift, Botox. She even called a hairdresser in to give her a new hairstyle and color. And she was feeling the next 30 years are going to be great. So as she's, being, uh, she's, she's leaving the hospital, she walks out of the ER, and boom! An ambulance that was speeding up hit her, and she dies. And as she dies and she has this conversation with God, she says, God, you promised me 30 more years. And God says, oh, I didn't recognize you. You know, in this country, I hope it clicked. Light bulb, it will later. In this country, the United States of America, in 2017, there were 17 and a half million plastic surgery procedures. That money revenue is between eight and nine billion dollars annually for plastic surgery. Now, the majority of those plastic surgeries are minimally invasive, Botox, soft tissue fillers, laser hair removal, etc. About two million of those, though, 
are cosmetic surgeries like liposuction or nose reshaping or tummy tucks or you can guess the rest. Almost $9 billion a year goes to plastic surgery. Do you know that it's believed by the year 2025 that globally this industry will be about $44 billion just in plastic surgery? Now, that's not to, to dismiss. There are some, I, I believe that there are some plastic surgeries that really do help some people. I don't know if that's the majority. $44 billion annually goes to plastic surgery. People are not happy with themselves. How many of you, I don't need hands, just thoughts. How many of you have at one point or another not been happy with yourself? I'm not going to show the video because it, because it comes, it's four minutes long. But if you've ever seen the comfortable video where, the, where they have kids sitting on a stool and they have adults and they say, name one thing that you change about yourself. And all the adults would say, I wish I were taller. I wish I were thinner. I wish, you know, I wish my forehead was not so big. And then they ask the kids, if you've ever seen it, and the kids are like, I guess I'd want a mermaid tail. Or I'd want, you know, wings or something. You know, they're all, they're not thinking about changing flaws. And kids, these kids are like, well, I'm happy with who I am. But there comes a time where switch, where we become self-aware that I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not light or dark enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I don't know what it is. I'm not enough. And if you don't believe this, if you haven't experienced this, you will. Because all of us have felt that way. For me, I mean, it's tons, I mean, Height, well, I never thought I was going to be tall. But, but as in brains, you know, I always thought, am I really smart enough? My, my dad really pushed. You know, I'm part Asian. Medicine, medicine, medicine. And when I would struggle, like, through, you know, uh, cell and molecular biology or, you know, some of these higher-level science classes, I would hear it from my dad. I love my dad, but, but I'd hear it. That reinforced to me, I don't know if you can really handle this. Have you ever felt, again, I don't want to see hands, that you are not good enough? Do you know throughout history, I, I, have, a, I have a theory about this. That body shapes, now I'm talking about physical self, that body shapes and colors follows, at least within Western culture, follows the money trail. It's all about money. It's all about wealth. So do you know for, for years and years, 
And if you look at like the Skin Cancer Association, all these, for years and years, it was seen as good to have pale skin. I know. It's bad. Pale skin was great. To the point, I mean, that is a sad, <laughs> a sad reality. <laughs> to the point that people used to wear makeup caked with mercury. They would paint themselves white to be paler. And that's not just in Western. They, you know, this happened in Japan. This happened, you know, the, people wanted to be light-skinned. Because it's where the wealth was. You were seen that if you did not have to do manual labor outside, you were at a higher tier of society. But it changed. It changed basically, in the, it started to change in the 19th century, but the last century, the 20th century, there was a, a switch. And I think it was mostly from Chanel that said, hey, you can go on vacation. If you are wealthy enough, you should be able to tan. And so there was this movement that, that tan used to mean I had to work in the fields all the time. But now tan meant I can go on vacation. It swapped. And now they're fighting the opposite problem, skin cancer. Because people want to be, not just out in the sun. Throughout the 80s and 90s, they wanted to be in a bed that shoots UV rays at you to make you darker. And you wear these little things. So you'd see these, you know, white, like, eyes here, and then you'd be dark. Just because you wanted the appearance that I am wealthy, whether that's subconscious or not. The same thing happened with body types. Do you know all the way from ancient Greece, and it's probably even further back, so that's 500 B.C., maybe even beyond, from that time, and I'm talking more females, it was seen that a full-figure woman was one of privilege. So people were attracted to fuller figure. Now, some of the stuff that I've, the research I've read is also because, like, if women had birthing hips and all this, you know, there's lots of reasons that you're not ready for. But why women were seen as better if they were larger. Until the 20th century. Where it was seen, actually all the way up to the Victorian age, you know, you'd have these curvier women, but they'd wear something right here. Does anybody know what that was called? Corset. I mean, can you imagine, you know, I'm tying this thing in the back. You know, we had girdles in the last uh, century, but, but you'd tie this thing in the back and it would, and it would suck your waist in. And that was seen, if you couldn't move real well, people knew that you had a corset. They're like, oh, she's a person of wealth. She's beautiful. Until last century was where it all changed. Where you were seen as healthier if you were thinner. 
and you could eat better and have more leisure time to exercise if you were wealthier. You were a better person if you were thinner. It had nothing to do with health. It just how you looked. Do you know in the 1990s, there is a title of, because supermodels, they wanted them so thin, they called the look the heroin look, meaning the drug heroin. Not like a heroin, like a hero woman. The heroin, like she's sickly. Like she's on heroin. But that was seen as beautiful. It changes. It's subjective. Unless it is what God sees the value. So in Psalm 139, it says this. It's starting where, where you read that. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them actually came to be. How precious are your thoughts to me. Who is he talking to? Who is David talking to? God, how precious are your thoughts about me? Oh, God, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You have value because God created you. You are beautiful because God created you as you are. See, here's the problem. I'm going to take a little tangent here. Here's the problem with evolution. I mean, I think there's lots of stuff wrong with evolution. I, you know, to, to even think of it as a, as a theory, a viable theory. You know, I understand creationism sounds crazy to people, but so does evolution if you really study it scientifically. But evolution, the problem with it is that basically everyone in here is an accident. If you believe in evolution, everybody in here is an accident. By chance, let's say it that way. Unless there is this mystical fate that wanted to create you. But then that's sort of a higher power then. Otherwise, you were made by chance. And guess what? Then everything is subjective. The taller, better-looking person's better. Stronger person's better. Smarter person's better. Some people are better than others. Some people are made better than others. That's what evolution, if you follow the, the, the string all the way down, teaches. And that's why there was a thing called survival of the fittest. The best one wins. But God says, I created every single one of you. Everyone. Wonderfully. By the way, think about how we treat some of 
others that were created wonderfully also. I mean, we've all done it. Remember, everybody's created wonderfully and how we've treated others. That's sometimes sad. So, evolution devalues who you are because you came from here and came up and God says, no, no, no. I'm your blueprint. Whose image are you made? God's. I'm your blueprint. That's what God says. That's why I believe in creation. That's not the only reason. So here's a challenge with society. Is we don't know where our value comes from. And we got it all mixed up. I have a question for all the pathfinders. I just want to speak honestly. What is more valuable? Okay, what position is more valuable? A doctor or a teacher? How many of you say doctor is more valuable to society? How many of you say teachers? How about what, again, let's follow the money trail. Now, doctors and teachers make about the same amount of money, right? They don't? How much more money would we assume that a doctor makes than a, a teacher, an average doctor? Let's just say a general practitioner. Is 20, 000, I heard at least 20,000 more. That might, okay. Yeah, maybe, yeah, on Wednesday. Whether we say it or not, I know most of you raise your hands with a with, uh, teacher, but our financial belief shows where we have value. And it doesn't just end there, kiddos. I've seen it at board meetings and committees where we've nominated people because of what we think their status is. Just because they are a physician, and, I, and I'm not taking away from physicians, I'm just saying that they're higher up, we know that in our minds. Just because they're a, a physician, we have, oh wow, they should be on our church board. They're obviously smarter. They're more valuable. If we get to that point, we have followed the rest of the world that says status of value. And that's hard because guess what? Our parents are pushing the same thing. Our parents are saying, be a doctor. They used to say be a lawyer, but that's sort of got a bad connotation now. But they say, go into medicine. Go into these high-paying fields. Go and do these things, and that's where you'll be. You know, I've actually heard this. I'm telling everybody. I have heard this, where somebody has said, I want to be a nurse, and their parents say, you are better than that. Go be a doctor. Whoa. You are better than a nurse. Go be a doctor. We have our ranks of value 
and it has torn us down. So no matter how tall you are or short you are or whatever skin color you are or whatever gender you are, race, we place value on that. And you get dots or stars accordingly. My short story here is, and you know this story, that's why it can be short, is there were the tale of two kings. The first king of Israel was who? The first king of Israel was Saul. Yeah, was Saul. King Saul, if you read in 1 Samuel verse 9, I mean chapter 9 verse 2, it says this. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man with, without equal among the Israelites. He was a head taller than everybody else. Everybody else in the whole kingdom, he was bigger. So if I was in a fight, I want Saul on my team. If I'm playing basketball, hey, you're first. I'm captain. I want you on my team. He was bigger, better than everybody. Perfect example of a king. Who was the next king of Israel? David. Now you know the story of David. When David is anointed, remember, they go through all the brothers. But before they go out through all of them, God says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. It's talking about the oldest brother, Eliab. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at what man looks at. Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And finally they get to the runt. And they say, and he says, that's the one I want. Now it says he's ruddy and handsome, so he's, you know, probably a good-looking kid. But you know from the next chapter, you know from the next chapter, when he goes before Goliath, now who should have gone before Goliath? Saul. He's head and shoulders over everybody. But when he goes before Goliath, Goliath says, am I a dog? That you're shaking sticks at me? This guy was puny. Didn't mean he wasn't tough. He worked hard. He had killed bears and lions. He says, you're nothing. Bring me somebody else. Please. Don't embarrass yourself. What was the difference between David and Saul? I'm looking for it from you, Pathfinders. What was the difference? The spirit? Guts? I agree. All of that. We call that character. Character is everything. Everything. Your integrity is everything. You will get old, just like your parents. Sorry. That's a sad reality, Hunter. You will be just like your parents. I will pray for you. You will get old. Your bones will ache. 
you will start to sag. You will start forgetting things. Right, Bill? That is your name, right? You know the sad reality? My other tangent? Okay, you know I'm a LeBron fan. I'm sorry, I'm here in Chicago. I'm a LeBron fan. But you know the, the, the thing that disappoints me most about people like Michael Jordan? Boo. The, the, the thing that disappoints me most is that he still talks. He talks. He talked about Kobe when he was playing, and he talks about LeBron now. He can't just let his legacy live. But I understand why. That's all he had. He's old now. And if he does not find his value in God and in his character, then all he's got is the past. And guess what? He's going to get older. And he's going to be more forgotten. That happens with beautiful people. That happens with smart people. They all get old and they all die. Very morbid. But one thing you can take from here to eternity, your character, your integrity, that's what Pathfinders is about, building character, building integrity. I'm talking to all of you guys, big, small. We're all a work in progress, but build your integrity. If, that's, if you want something to pray about, you pray, God, make me a man or a woman of integrity. When I am not in front of people, when I am alone, may I be honest and true and loving and joyful and of self-control. May I be a young person of integrity because that's the only thing you'll keep all the way through. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you anoint these young people. Lord, may it click either now, because we know it would be better, or later, that they cling to you and become young people of integrity, of good character, because we know that's the only thing that they can take to the next kingdom. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.